0: Thanks for calling the Q Hotline. This is Kevin Brittingham. This is your opportunity to tell us what you think. Q, Q products, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Industry news, things you want to say, especially if you got something funny to say. You could have called anywhere in the world. You called us. We appreciate that. Hello. My uh, silencer is still in uh, ATF jail. So if uh, someone could just walk by my little, my little trash pan and give it a hug and tell her that daddy loves her, daddy loves her, and you'll be home soon, I swear, I swear, you'll be home soon. KB's the type of dude to go to a feminist rally and come back with a sandwich and his clothes ironed. Cue fucking rules. Good morning, it's the drive-in. And, um, I don't know what today is, I think it's the 8th of November, and I'm driving in the first snow, New Hampshire. So, uh, this morning, I want to talk about why Q is overpriced and you pay for the name. I am so sick of all of the idiot Instagram, YouTube, and internet gun dumbasses that, uh, Post these pretty pictures, have a following, have no experience, know nothing technical about firearms or most likely anything, um, and form opinions based on what they hear. And and I don't know, I'm probably being so juvenile because this is probably like twelve-year-old dudes, and I am fooled, being catfished. However, so let, let's understand the price of. We'll start with the honey badger oh, you could build that gun for $400. And I feel like I've said this a thousand times. So, again, the reason that AR-15s and the subsequent bootleg versions of it are so cheap is just it's they're falsely inexpensive. It's a false economy due to just the massive production of the components, and then people piece them together. And then not knowing, oh, it, you know, all these small builders and all these reviewers that don't understand tolerance stack and don't have the m4 drawings they have people that parts look cool so they go in the gun what well, works in this gun well, maybe it works maybe it's not gonna work for long it's not gonna work in some other guns that are on the high end of the tolerance range but still meet mill spec like how do these companies tolerance their parts when they don't have the mill standard drawings the answer is they don't so it can create potentially worst-case and unsafe situation um, best case, the thing they got lucky, everything works okay. Um, and the reality is they're not going to be working correctly for long or ever. Um, even with that said, if you can get all the actual mill spec parts, not like kind of mill spec parts, like Daniel defense where they, you know, they get the, um, uh, the machine for checking the, what the heck is it called? Uh, I'll come back to it because I'm sure you guys know and I'm losing it now, Um, mag particle testing. Where they get the machine, it's never hooked up, and then they stamp the bolts as they're mag particle tested and they're actually not. Um, Things of this nature. We do not bullshit. Um, We don't do anything that's not necessary. We do everything that is necessary. um, With a larger engineering team than a company like Daniel Defense, uh... I'm not doing it to be freaking fancy or to blow my money on employees that cost a lot. Uh, put them to work and you can tell by the products. So the Honey Badger, parts commonality with a standard AR-15 that you can buy for $800 from something that's probably a pretty decent gun like the Springfield Saint. I think it's Springfield Saint. It could be a different company and some of you could be yelling at me through. Uh, your, your car audio right now, and I can't hear you and I apologize. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry um, There are probably good guns that can work for what most of you want to do for far less money than our products And that is perfectly okay jump on it um, What you get from us The stock is not common, the operating system is not common, the bolt carrier is not common, the receivers are not common, the barrel extension is not common, the barrel is not common, the gas block is not, the jam nut for the gas block is not, uh, uh, let's see the gas tube is, the pistol grip is, the trigger is, but it's a 200 and something dollar two stage match trigger. the bolt carrier, I said that's different. The bolt itself is a mil-spec bolt, and it uh, takes M4 magazines. Uh, charging handle is a Radian charging handle that they redid to our uh, requirements for the Honey Badger to, meet, to also be uh, meet mill standard for tolerances of the charging handle uh, on, on the critical dimensions, internal dimensions, and stuff like that the selector is a radian and it's not the standard radian because we actually go through the trouble and i pay these expensive nerds to figure out oh everybody wants a 45 degree throw for their selector hey dude is that okay and so then we you know spend a week doing all the work to run the tolerances and the answer is no it's not okay it's not safe in all mil spec guns so what is going to be 100% safe in all mil spec guns that fall within the mil spec tolerances? And the answer is 70 degree. That's why we have a 70 degree selector. It's not to be different. It's not to be cool. It's because that's the proper fucking thing to do if you want to be safe. Um, You know, the clear anodized parts, again, we don't use the dye and the anodizing, doesn't probably make it any cheaper, doesn't make it more expensive. But what happens is, it is special. And you know, the tanks have to be cleaned, uh, emptied of all the dye. So it is a special process. Companies don't run it. So it ends up being more expensive. Um, The upper and lower receivers are machined from Billet. They're more expensive. There have been times that I have seen in recent history where I could purchase through some of the major distributors like, I don't know if it's Davison's or Sports South, RSR, whoever. Uh, when we get flyers to the office where i can buy complete ar-15s cheaper than we make our upper and lower receiver for and or buy them from our select vendors for they're expensive i get it i'm not sure at all you know that they need to be for everyone you know the gas jam nut system for the gas block jam nut system. Is that necessary for everyone? Probably not. Is it better? It sure is. Seals the gas better. You don't have to run a pin through it. So if somebody needs to change their gas block, it's easier and they're not hammering on their gun with a dead blow hammer and trying to push that taper pin out the wrong way. Um, You don't have those problems. So that's where you see companies like Knights Armament and Barrett and Q. And companies like HK that know what they're doing, doing these things. You know, the tapered muzzle, that's a minor thing. But it is one of the biggest improvements you could make if you want to add an accessory to the end of your firearm. Um, You know, now you see HK doing it. Uh, The gas tube, I don't think there's anything different with the gas tube. Uh, The stock assembly itself, the stock assembly itself cost me... uh, Probably half of what some AR 15s cost. And is it necessary? No, not for everybody. Um, you know, and do you need to make it out of steel and heavy and run some marketing bullshit like Maxim Defense that theirs is combat ready or whatever they said because they don't know how to engineer and make everything heavy as fuck? No, you don't. Because, hey, you know, it, it's kind of a newsflash. Uh, the Honey Badger was developed in conjunction with SOCOM. For some of the most elite dudes in the entire world. And that's the stock. You know, this, this isn't a freaking John Wick movie. Nobody's doing cartwheels off the butt stock of their gun and butt stroking somebody with it with uh, a personal offensive weapon. Um, you know, it's designed for a given purpose. And is that for everybody? No, not necessarily. I know some of my redneck buddies that have farms in Texas. I tell them to get the sugar weasel because I know how they treat their guns. They end up staying in their Polaris all the time, bouncing out of the back of it. They treat them like absolute stepchildren. No offense to any of you and stepchildren. Um, Hopefully you were treated well, not thrown out of the back of a Polaris on a Texas ranch. But it's not for everyone. But, you know, the Sugar Weasel is an awesome gun. You get many benefits of what we have done through R&D and learned over the last decade with the Honey Badger. But what we did was we eliminated the proprietary very expensive stock and we put on a mil standard buffer tube clear anodized and then the SB tactical uh, SBA 3 brace and you could put any cool stock on there like a, a mo uh, a, or SL I don't know what it's called um, any any other stock that you like if you're registered as an SBR and that is great and that stock is possibly more comfortable than the honey badger stock and it's far far less expensive because they make 10 million of the damn things. Um, and do you need the the billet upper and lower receiver? No, no, you don't. Cause you're not putting a honey badger stock on it. So you don't need those pockets cut out for that thing. So we get, um, those receivers are not billet. Uh, they are forged receivers that are clear anodized. And, um, so it makes the gun far less expensive. But you get an awesome trigger. Right now it's got the ALG trigger in it, a single stage. That trigger's pretty slick, you know, for a, a, a somewhat basic gun. I wouldn't even change the trigger. Um, and I've got spare triggers, and I, I wouldn't even change mine. Um, but you get the barrel, you get the handguard system, you get the lightweight, compact. The gun's tits. Um, overpriced, paying for the name. That is stupid. Uh, you pay for the name because we built the name on merit and it's not the name that you're paying for the name became cool because the products are awesome not because i'm a smart ass or i bully people on ig or instagram if you're young and hip ig's not cool anymore which i hear from my children um the fix rifle there is no gun company in the world that can compete with that right now with their engineering teams the engineer the engineering involved in that gun if an accuracy international rifle costs seven thousand dollars this gun should cost twenty thousand dollars all right We're trying to make this the bolt gun, the utility rifle, the hunting rifle, the sports rifle, the target rifle for the next generation, and I wanted to price it accordingly. The guns are expensive. The R&D, it cost me millions of dollars, millions, before we ever even produced one. Um, the The engineering and the timeline that we took with that gun and what we developed is very expensive there's stuff in that gun that's never been done before not that we invented the wheel or we invented all these things but we made everything a lot better with that gun having a 45 degree bolt throw how do you do that remington's got 90 degree what's inside of that gun that allows you to when you operate the gun lift the bolt half as far and it does all the work it's a fucking miracle people a miracle It's not cheap. You're not paying for the name. You're paying for fucking magic's what you're paying for. Magic is expensive, expensive. David Copperfield owns his own island as a result of magic. Tells you how expensive magic is. Uh, That gun, all the same stuff. And you know how many common parts you get in that gun? It's not, you know, with with the Honey Badger, you get the trigger and you get the mag catch and uh, the mag release and you get the bolt and you get the pistol grip. In the fix, you get the mag catch spring. Is an off-the-shelf spring, uh, off-the-shelf for AR mill spec spring. And you get the pistol grip, which is a Magpul uh, Mo-K, whatever it's called, is what we put on it. Most people change that. Everything else on the gun is unique. It's very expensive. We're not producing $10 million of the fixes a year. And guess what happens when you buy a lot of things or you produce a lot of things? They get way cheaper to make. So we're still up there way in the nosebleed seats of expensive freaking cost for the gun the gun costs a lot and it's the best value in any gun store you walk in in america if you're lucky enough to find one when you walk in the store in the first place because generally they're all sold out and back ordered so you know i could go into all the features of that gun like the folding stock q the pinch system on the receiver the one piece upper lower receiver that's i-beam construction and rigid that we call a unibody because that's a cool sexy name um the match barrels, the tapered muzzle, the AR controls on a bolt gun, so you're not having to fiddle, you know, fiddle fart around with your freaking Savage Mossberg, Remington, or expensive uh, guns that I like, like uh, the Bighorn or even my American Precision Guns. Shit, I don't remember which way safe and which way is um, ready to fire, so I just don't use the safety because the Remington triggers, if they're light enough anyway, the gun's not safe, and the thing goes, you know, kapow when you drop it, allegedly. So I just lower the bolt into the first position. And when I wanna shoot, I use that as my safety. And the gun won't fire in that position. I just lower the bolt all the way, then you can shoot. Um, But having the fix, be a thousand yard gun and weigh six pounds? Well, let's see you do it with a Remington. Let's see you put those AR controls, a detachable mag, an SR25 mag. Fold that stock, why don't you? What are all those things worth? How did they get here? You know, if you're young, naive, you know, you have a job working for your parents' insurance company, God bless you. But it's not gonna teach you how things are actually developed, how from conception to delivery, what goes on in between there with, uh, I mean, just the, the butt assembly on the fix, how complex that is. But we came up with an elegant, simple solution. You know how we did that? Is years of experience and brilliant engineers and a demand to do the right thing and the best thing and not compromise, not do a Christiansen Arms, look like the fix but be a bootleg cheap Remington, put some carbon fiber on it to be cool but don't show anybody that you can press the handguard into the barrel bullshit. That's not what we're doing here. So, are our guns overpriced? The dumbest frickin' thing you will say about guns this month. Our guns are a terrific value, and if anything, The laws of economics would tell you that the guns are underpriced. That's why we have a huge backorder, people. Um, And, well, same goes for the silencers, too. Uh, So, I do not mind real criticism. But when I have some dumbass, like, gun collector who, God bless him, has got a great Instagram page, posts these beautiful pictures of guns. Dude, that is cool. You are a great photographer and you're, you're pretty metro because his pictures are beautiful, you know how to lay things out and color coordinate. I'm jealous. You don't know shit about guns or technical things about firearms, obviously. So just don't say that. Like, post on there about how to take pictures of make your guns beautiful and get 100,000 followers on Instagram. But don't start thinking about, oh, I've never touched one, but from what I hear from these people that think they saw Elvis at 7-Eleven, Q products are just overpriced and you pay for the name. Hey, jackass, let's see you build a gun like the Fix and charge less than ten grand for it or build a gun that actually competes with the Honey Badger and not have $5,000 in it. So until then, man, just stay in your lane. You're cute. Your page is freaking awesome. Don't open your stupid mouth about technical things. So hopefully that cleared some things up. If not, slide into the DMs. I'll answer your questions. Good morning. It's the drive-in. Um, so, hunting with subsonic, expanding ammunition, or just shooting subsonic ammunition in general. Uh, I saw David Stark of Discreet Ballistics last week, and he got me caught up on a couple things that he's been working on and he's doing, which make a lot of sense, and I thought I would share some of that, and then just my own thoughts. Um... I have in the past said that 308 subsonic is stupid, and I'm not sure it's gonna continue to be the case, although it may still be at the moment, I don't know. Uh, I haven't tested it yet. But in general, the case capacity, the extra capacity in the case for 308 creates um, a lot of issues with standard deviation. So basically that means the muzzle velocity consistency that you get and why that's important for your accuracy it's like shooting going from a gun to shooting a bow if any of you guys shoot bows like every five yards or every three yards with a bow for distance is incredibly critical because your velocity is much lower with a bow uh your arrows are you know 350 feet a second and they weigh a fair amount so they are dropping non-stop now they have a lot of mass so they uh will still penetrate and uh, are effective at longer ranges. It's just hard to hit your target because you can shoot over, or underneath things, not knowing your distance, and not having consistency or your bow sighted in. It's the same thing with a gun with subsonic ammo. You're shooting this big, heavy bullet that's going slow, and so it's dropping out of the sky. So they can still be extremely lethal and still get great penetration. However, you have to have the standard deviation be minimal uh you, you know within 10 feet a second for muzzle velocity is great um, so traditionally there have not been powders that accommodate filling a 308 case with a subsonic bullet for subsonic velocities meaning you know like a, his david's um expanders his solid copper expanders or a 220 grain bullet and only and keeping it below 1,000 feet a second, let's say. So all that spare room in the case um, is what creates these SDs. So, David has got a new powder that he's working with where he fills the case. So he's got the SDs down, he believes, to uh, you know, 10 feet a second. So the SDs are great. So that will eliminate basically your vertical stringing and allow you to be able to put shots in the same place, theoretically, consistently now I say theoretically because my big problem with 308 subsonic with David you you know correcting this problem is the slow twist of 308 308 barrels are typically 1 in 10 twist sometimes even 1 in 11 and as you guys know with 300 blackout we go with a 1 in 5 twist with the shorter barrels especially to stabilize a subsonic you get more energy because you're spinning the bullet faster so it opens more reliably with a subsonic expander and then um, also with with the stabilizing it consistently um, we're getting better groups you're getting better accuracy with it so if you have a 1-8 5-inch barrel with 300 blackout and you want to shoot subsonics that's pretty dumb Um, And a lot of companies do it. And we started with, uh, maybe we started with one in eight with a 16 inch barrel at advanced armament. And we went to one in seven and all the stuff that we did commercially with the short barrels and we sold the military was one in seven. Uh, The problem at the time, one problem was there was no one in five twist available. We couldn't get them made, we got them made at SIG. And then ammo, if we went faster than one in five that was designed to expand subsonic ammo, would open up out of the barrel from spinning it so fast. So, but that problem has been corrected on the bullet manufacturing and design side. So now we're able to go one in five consistently. Um, The bullets, the subsonic expanding projectiles expand reliably, they're accurate. So it's turned into a great thing. With 300 blackout, you don't have that excess case capacity. So your SDs are good. So fixing half that with 308, with the powder and the case capacity, you still have the slow twist. Now, you know, bullet twist keeps getting, or barrel twist keeps getting faster. And that's because, you know, we're we're, in just about every caliber, we're shooting heavier, long bullets, longer bullets. Uh, So we need the faster twist. And also when all this stuff was developed, you know, years and years ago, uh, you know, most of the Remington ammo that you look at, uh, it, it, it gives you velocity numbers Based on a 24-inch 308, for instance. Now nobody does a 24-inch 308 anymore. It's dumb, and that's when they were using one in ten twist. So with a 16-inch, the shorter you go, the faster you need to spin the bullet to stabilize it. So we're with the fixed rifle, for instance, we have a one in ten twist. We should probably look into making it faster. We're about to do the fixed pistol in 308 with a 12 and a half, 12 and three quarter inch barrel. And we're probably gonna go with a one in seven twist so um you're gonna have both things with 308 now you've got the sds down with that discrete ballistics ammo and winchester may have done the same thing i don't know you could check it out i know they're offering subsonic um ammo commercially now for 308 but i've not tested it i've seen my man uh, todd huey at lone star boars has has killed some pigs with it but i'm not sure about the accuracy and stuff now the biggest problem you're going to have like you could buy some of uh david or winchester's ammo and shoot it through your one and 1 and eleven and it not shoot well and you think man this ammo is shit. really you just need a faster twist that's another advantage of the fix you can swap the barrel out in two minutes without a vice or being a gunsmith so um that's kind of where we stand now with subsonic ammo uh, it's going in the right direction and we're working with David on that and we work with Hornady of course on ammo But I don't think they're doing any 308 subsonic at the moment um, So this is kind of exciting news for me because hunting with subsonic ammo is Great and wonderful and you can hunt in places that you couldn't hunt with a firearm. Otherwise um, You know and most of the shots being inside of a hundred yards for hunting um Subsonic makes a lot of sense. You know, to me, it's kind of like having a a crossbow, the new crossbows that are 420 feet a second and shoot three-inch groups at 100 yards. Um, The subsonic ammo can do that and be just as quiet and even more lethal, but you needed the accuracy. And so you're getting that now, and it's going to get even better with the fixed pistol with a fast-twist barrel. Um, you know, what's important with subsonic ammo is your shot placement. So you need to, to have something you have confidence in that you can make a good shot, make an ethical shot on an animal. Um, Cause you don't get the hydrostatic shock that you do with a supersonic 308. So you, you, you need to be very accurate with subsonic. So that, that generally means you need to be at a closer distance like inside of a hundred yards. Um, As this continues to improve, we'll, you know, all the aspects of this, we'll continue to push this out. Um, For instance, if you have like a ballistic reticle that you have confidence in where, you know, you could shoot out to 300 yards with subsonic, you'll be able to kill stuff if you can get the accuracy out to that distance eventually. And it may end up being a combination of the things until scopes. Scopes are probably going to be the last things to catch up to the subsonic ammo, meaning The scope companies aren't going to put a lot of effort into reticles for subsonic and stuff like that. We worked with Leupold in the past at Advanced Armament uh, for a 300 blackout super and subsonic reticle, which was pretty cool. Um, What you probably need, though, is something that you can do yourself for your own loads. And so I keep going back to there's probably going to be scope mounts that are available for that. And again i think i said one of these the other day um you know kind of what i've decided to go with um this season for my honey badger is i have my swarovski uh one to eight uh, it says i think it's a z z8i so with illuminated reticle and i'm gonna use i think reptilia um one of their scope ring top ring cut whatever that'll take a little mrd and i'm gonna set um I'm going to zero the scope for 100 with supersonic, and then I zero the little MRD, or I'm going to zero this one for 50 yards with subsonic, and just have that, you know, uh, the little MRD on the scope cap, because it's compact, it's lightweight, I don't like the gun getting lighter, so going a little taller is not a big deal to me, that doesn't really hinder anything with my hunting. anyway i think that's all the random thoughts that i have about subsonic if i wasn't clear on anything message me and i'll try to straighten it out thanks